then we're going to go to one other passage, and that'll be Genesis chapter 6. We'll begin in Matthew chapter 24, and then we'll go to Genesis chapter 6. Let's all stand to our feet, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God this morning. Matthew chapter 24, we'll read just a couple of verses here, beginning in verse number 37. Matthew chapter 24, and we'll begin reading in verse number 37. But as the days of Noah were, that's N-O-E in the New Testament, but that's the name of Noah from Genesis chapter 6, where we'll be here in just a moment. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, if you would please. Genesis chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 5, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, just a few verses here, and then we'll be seated. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse number 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Look at verse number 22. The Bible says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, So did he. Last verse, chapter 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and what? All thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in what? This generation. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. One man in a wicked world. One man in a wicked world. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please anoint this service with your Holy Spirit power. I pray that you would do what only you can do. We we need you, Lord. My voice is a little bit weak with whatever this stuff is that's going on, congestion and all that. Lord, I, I pray that in my weakness that you would be even more strong. I, I know I'm also spiritually weak, Lord, not just physically. If anything's going to be accomplished today, It has to be through your power. Lord, I give this service to you. I give myself to you. And I beg you, please, guide and direct throughout the service. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man, or so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There are a couple of things to note in that passage. First of all, there is the situation that the world is in in the last days. The Bible says that what will happen is that in the last days, just as it was before the flood, people will still today be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and really taking no thought that God is going to judge the world of sin. We are living in the last days. The world is living in deeper sin than it ever has before. America is living in deeper sin than it ever has before. But America is more blind to our sin than maybe ever in our history. People are not concerned about sin. They are more, unfortunately, concerned about themselves and about making sure that every day is as fun as possible while not considering that much of the fun they are having flies against every command of God. What the world calls fun these days is nothing often but wicked, wicked sin. The Bible says that in the last days that things will be as it was in the days of Noah. And in the last days as it was or or in the days of Noah... The Bible says that the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. I believe Satan is working even today to bring everybody's hearts and minds into that continuous stage of evil thinking. People are not only going on with their lives like God never spoke against sin and like He will never do anything to judge our sin, but they are also constantly being led into evil thinking. Now, what does the word evil mean? Evil is wickedness and sin that brings harm. So there's a difference between sin and evil. Sin is the kind of sin, or evil is the kind of sin that brings harm. What are the most prevalent sins of today leading people to do? The most prevalent sins of today are no longer things like disobedience to parents and rebellion. Now the most prevalent sins of the day are leading people to harm their relationships and their families and their marriages because of selfish decisions of sin. Now the sins today are leading to riots in the streets. What is that? It is sin that is bringing to harm. It is sin that is causing evil. It is evil in the sense that it is different from just, and I hate to put degrees to sin, uh, all sin is wicked, all sin is sin. But let's be honest with ourselves. Even God sees certain sins as abominable. God wiped out the entire cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wicked sin. God sees some sins as worthy of hanging a millstone around a person's neck. If they offend a child or harm a child, then the Bible says that God sees that sin as the kind of sin that it would be better than a man have a millstone hung around his neck and he'd be cast into the sea. He doesn't say that about all sin. So I do believe that there are some sins that are worse than others. And we like to try to 
to justify our sin by saying, well, my sin isn't as bad as the sins of others, and that is not to be done either. But I want to say that the kind of sin that people are allowing into their lives today are harming their relationships, and so it is evil sin. It's causing rioting in the streets every time something doesn't go right politically, and so it's evil and, 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 and evil sin. People are what the Bible calls abusing themselves with mankind today. It's a sin that is evil. It causes harm. What is that sin where the Bible says that people are abusing themselves with mankind? That term is used to describe sodomy and sodomistic relationships. And so, the thing that is being glorified by Disney and the thing that is being glorified by politicians and the thing that is being glorified by the wicked world around us, that of sodomy and transgenderism and all of that kind of stuff, is the kind of sin that causes evil. It causes people to harm themselves. You know, the suicide rates are higher among those that are in the sodomite and transgender societies than any other uh, culture in America. And they like to say it's because people are oppressing them and putting them under depression because of their lifestyle. The reality is that they are under oppression and they are depressed because God says that kind of sin is literally harming yourself. They're harming their minds, they're harming their bodies, they're doing things that are not natural, and so they're constantly down in their spirit because it's not natural, it's not normal, it makes them feel bad. That's the kind of sin America is glorifying today, people that are abusing themselves with mankind. It's evil sin. Suicide rates are higher than they've ever been before. Drugs which harm others are prevalent and running rampant in our society. There is no corner of America that is not uh, exposed to drugs. Campbell has it all over the place. Our little communities that used to be nice little sheltered communities from the big cities that had all this wickedness running through them now have just as many drugs accessible to us as the big cities ever did. And in some cases, the smaller cities are being overrun with it. What is that? That's evil. It's not just sin. It's sin that brings harm. Pornography, which alters the chemical state of the mind, it leads to mental harm and destruction of marriages. And it's running rampant today. Some of the most popular websites today are those type of sites. Some of the most trafficked and most traveled. And it's not just sin. It's sin that brings harm. Sin that harms marriages and sin that harms your own mind and, and rewires it chemically to the point that you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't have the same desires that you used to and things are getting rewired. It's harming you. The greatest sins of today are not disobedience and lying. They are sins that are bringing great harm. And so today's culture is very similar to the one that it was in the days of Noah when they were only in their minds having imaginations and thoughts that were evil continually. The minds and hearts of people today are leading us into evil, wicked sins. The world is heading to the mindset and the lifestyle of the days of Noah. So I mentioned that we wanted to see the people, uh, that we wanted to see a couple different aspects of the last days. The Bible says that it will be as it was in the days of Noah. Well, in the last days or in the days of Noah before the world was destroyed with the flood, the Bible says that people were living with wicked imaginations continually. They could not control their thoughts. They were always thinking of evil and wicked things. But also, 
that they were just eating and drinking and giving in marriage and acting like, hey, we're living in sin, nothing's ever going to happen, and so we can just keep going on in our sin and everything will be just fine because God never spoke against sin and God is never going to judge against sin. Why? Because He hasn't done it yet, so it's probably not going to happen. That was the mindset right before the flood took place. Now, knowing the environment of the last days, and knowing that we see those wicked imaginations, those evil imaginations even today, God needs men. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop right there before I finish that phrase. God needs men. God needs men like Noah who will be the only one in a wicked world who does a few things. All of the points of my message this morning will come from that one phrase. That God needs men like Noah who will be one man in a wicked world who, first of all, finds grace. What did Noah do? Look at it in Genesis chapter 6, would you please, in verse number 8 again. The Bible says, but Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does it mean that he found grace? I believe, first of all, it means that he was seeking grace, so he found it. <laughs> Can I say this this morning? God needs some men today that while the rest of the world is going headlong after sin, that there will be some men, maybe in this room, I certainly hope all of you, that will seek God's grace and favor in your life and for your family. What am I talking about? I believe God is looking for men of great prayer in a greatly wicked day. Please hear me out. We need to be in prayer for our families. Amen. Men, this world is awful wicked. And can I say, God doesn't say that Mrs. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says that Noah did. Men, we cannot be so busy with our lives with our jobs and trying to make the bills <laughs> at the end of the month. That we don't have time to pray for our kids before they go to school in the morning and pray that God shows grace to them and shelters them from all the wickedness and all the sin that they're going to face. We need to be on our faces before the Lord, praying and asking God to protect our families from this wicked world in every way. We need to be men of great prayer. Can I ask you a question this morning? When are we praying for our families? When? I'm not saying are you, I'm asking when are you? Because sometimes we like to cover up with this idea that, yeah, I pray for my family, but the reality is, by making that statement, we have kind of covered up how often we pray for our families. Yeah, I pray for my family about once a month. I, I, I 
Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he find grace? Because he was seeking it. Men, I'm telling you, we need to be in great prayer for our families, for our children, for our co-workers who are lost. When we are pleading with God on their behalf, I believe that things can change. But who in the world today is going forth before the Lord with weeping? Who in the world is kneeling upon our knees and seeking the grace of God in our own lives, in our families, lives and our co-workers lives I want to know who is in great prayer he found grace which means he sought it you only find things that you seek hello he was seeking for God's grace upon his family and upon his life in a wicked generation but listen to me this morning not only do we need to be seeking constantly before the face of God, uh, the needs of our family and the spiritual well-being of our family, but we also need to find grace by being humble before God. And I want to say something about humility today that I don't think a lot of people are understanding. Humility does not mean that we need to live defeated and downcast in our spirit. The world wants men defeated. God wants men who are victorious. The world wants men who feel worthless. God wants men who see their worth in Him. The world is beating up the men all across our television screens and all across our social media pages, beating men up like they're worthless and like they shouldn't have any uh, boldness within them and that men should be the outcasts of society because we're the problem and women are the answer. Let me tell you something. Men are not the problem and God is the answer. Sin is the problem. And God is the answer. I don't believe men ought to be belittled. I don't believe women ought to be belittled. Do you know, do you know something? I, this preacher right here believes that every woman in this room is just as important as every man in this room. And I believe that every man in this room is just as important as every woman in this room. But the world is belittling humankind trying to make women feel less of a human being, trying to make men feel less of a human being, and men are afraid to stand on their own two feet in fear that the world will rise up against them. Can I tell you something? God needs some men who will find grace by being humble enough to understand what humility is. Humility is submission towards God as your righteous judge to do what He says instead of what the world says. That's humility. To submit yourself to God is humility. Not to be downcast and depressed in your spirit all of the time. Humility towards God means putting God first and revering God in your life. It means not placing yourself above Him and taking control of your life, but rather letting Him lead and guide you. It means putting ourselves below God and not, not exalting ourselves above God. Is everybody okay? That's humility. It's not men walking around with no determination, no drive, because the world's beating you up like crazy, and you don't even know what to think about yourself anymore. I'm sick and tired of men being put on the altar of sacrifice for women to be uplifted so that men feel dejected and down and discouraged all the time. We're all just as valuable. Humility doesn't mean dejection and being downcast 
It means being willing to admit that God is greater than us and putting ourselves under His principles. God doesn't want men living dejected, down, and feeling worthless. If that were the case, when God had come along to Noah and said, Noah, I need you to build an ark, he would have said, I don't know if I can do that. Honey, God, I think you might have called me to build an ark, but what do you think about it? Because I want to do it, you know, unless we're all on the same page and it makes you happy. No, Mrs. Noah says, God, it's going to cost too much money and time. I can't do it. That's not the kind of manhood God uses. There's a difference between feeling depressed and worthless and being willing to put yourselves below God and others when it's needed. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Wives subject to the husbands, husbands subject to the wives, that's okay. But nobody over the other one. Nobody greater or less important than the other one. Because the Bible says that we should be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Why did God, or why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Because he was a humble man. He was an obedient man. He was willing to do what God told him to and that's humility. That's humility, not this. But that's where the world wants you. Because if the world can get you there, you become worthless to God. You know what's amazing? You say things like this, and women think you're preaching against them. I haven't said anything against women. I'm just trying to re-energize some of our men to be able to be a man like Noah. I've said, make it the third or the fourth time. I believe you're just as valuable as he is. I never said you weren't valuable. But because the world has reprogrammed the minds of women to think that women should be exalted above all else and men should be dejected and down and should be changing diapers and staying home and obeying the commands of the wife, everybody thinks at the moment a preacher stands up and says, you know what, you're both on equal footing with God. Well, that's just not nice to women. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's what the world has us programmed to think. He hates women. Never said that. Can I say for the fifth time, I think you're just as valuable as he is. I don't think you're more valuable than he is, and I don't think he's more valuable than you are. I think you're both very valuable to God, and neither one of you should be living a dejected, downcast, oppressed life because that's humility. That's not humility. That's depression. And the world's trying to lead men into depression because the devil knows if he can get the men of our culture to give up and to quit standing for what's right, he's got us. Go ahead and fill your military up with a bunch of of smooth-legged women and see if they can beat the military of the Russians and see how that turns out for you. I'm blowing the church up this morning by simply preaching the truth. Men, we shouldn't live in pride and arrogance with a higher opinion of ourselves than God or with a higher opinion of ourselves than our family or with a higher opinion of ourselves than our, than our, than our, 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 our children, a higher opinion of ourselves than our wife. That's not how God ordained it. That's not how God created us. 
Humility means you don't see yourself as more important than your wife. It means you don't see yourself as more important than your children. It means that you see yourself with the importance that they all have, that God created all of us with a purpose, and that He loves all of us equally, and that you don't have to live down and dejected because the world wants you to, and wants you to live in apology for apparently being manly. Toxic masculinity, they say. It's not fair for you to be masculine. That's toxic. It's what's wrong with the world today that men act like men. Well, then it's what's wrong with the world today that women act like women. That shoe can, can fit on both feet, you know. Well, actually, uh, my left foot is bigger than my right foot. Seeing God as the highest authority in our lives is humility. Submitting to His desires, that's humility. Amen. We don't live above our family, we live with our family. Yes. Noah found grace. And how do you find grace? According to the Scriptures, you find it by being submissive and humble. But humble doesn't mean downcast dejection. It doesn't mean depression. It doesn't mean an apology tour of everybody in your life that you were ever a man in front of. I don't watch those movies and shows. I can't stand them. Just saying. God is looking for one man in a wicked world who finds grace. Secondly, God is looking for one man in a wicked world who has a strong personal faith that isn't shaken by others' spiritual direction. A strong personal faith that isn't shaken by the spiritual direction of others. Is everybody okay? I hope so. We're going to get through this together. In Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 7, now we may get into this verse quite a bit throughout the rest of the message here. The Bible says, By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That's a really strong word, that he condemned the world by building that ark. Now, he had a real strong personal faith that wasn't affected by the direction of the rest of the world. You know, God says nothing of His family's faith. Look at Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 1. <laughs> Just across the page there, or maybe flip the page. Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for what? Thee have I seen what? Righteous before me in this generation. I have never found anywhere where the Bible says that God saved Noah and his family because his family was righteous. I only ever find that the Bible says that God saved Noah and his family because Noah was righteous. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm not going to say that it means his family wasn't righteous. I don't know. But I do know it means this. It means that God was looking at the righteousness of the Father and that's what mattered to him. They may have been spiritual, but we don't hear about it. 
we do hear about the fact that God saw the righteousness of Noah. He had a strong personal faith that wasn't shaken by other people's spiritual direction. Listen, fathers, God needs men who are willing to stand in their faith regardless of where the rest of the world is going. Thirdly, God needs one man in a wicked world who is the spiritual leader. This takes spiritual strength. Unfortunately, we have a lot of fatherless homes because men have not taken a spiritual direction. They have left their families and left their wives with children that were born because of them to go out and sow their wild oats and live their wicked lives, and they're not leading righteously. It takes a lot of strength for a woman to raise a family all by herself. And that is happening more today than it ever has before. God is looking for one man in a wicked world who is the spiritual leader of his family. It takes strength. It takes personal conviction and desire to please and walk with God. It takes a contrary direction to everybody else around you sometimes. It takes boldness to take a stand and choose a godly direction without checking the family wind and seeing what they all think. Godly fathers have godly boldness. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5 that God spared not the old world but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. Is everybody listening? Noah was a preacher of righteousness in his day. And men, we ought to be preachers in our day. I'm not saying that every man is called to be a preacher. I'm saying that there are righteous commandments in this book that men ought to be able and willing to take a stand for in their family and be willing to say what is right. Men, this world is getting worse and worse and God needs some bold men who will stand for truth and right and not back down. We need to be bold from now, every now and again. Fathers, can I beg you to do this? Please, preach in your homes. When you hear your children speaking of sinful or ungodly things, we must not always sit by and let them go by without direction. Stop and correct them and teach them what is right according to the Word of God. Fathers shouldn't be the one who let the kids get away with everything and expect the wife to pick up the slack and put them on a good path. We should be the ones who preach righteousness in our homes and make sure that our families are on the right direction. Men should be setting the example, spiritually speaking. We shouldn't be waiting to see if our wife is going to go to church. We should be going to church regardless of whether or not our wife is going to church. We shouldn't be waiting to see if our wife is going to do something about that super short dress that our girl is getting ready to wear out to the boys and show off all of her body. We should be saying something about it. I know we're in prom time. And some of the things I see some of these precious girls doing, I don't understand where the father is. Don't let her sell herself like that. She's going to attract the wrong kind of crowd. Well, you know, I, I, 
I trust her mother, you know, her, her, her mother, she knows, she knows girl things and all that, so I'm done. No, look, look, if your girl's getting ready to step out and she's about to show everything off here and here, say something. Well, that's not really my place. No, it is your place. What you're going to do is you're going to have a precious girl that's going to go out there that you raised and held and nurtured and loved. And she's going to attract the kind of guy that's only in it for lust. And the kind of guy that's only in it for lust is not going to take care of her. They might get married one day, but if he's in it for her body, he'll leave her when her body isn't there anymore after she has her first child. That's who you want her to attract? Then let her walk around like that. That's the kind of marriage you want her to have? Then let her walk around like that. But you want her to find the guy that respects her for who she is and loves her for who she is and doesn't see her as just an object or a body to be pleased with? Then take a stand. And teach her what's right. Ooh, buddy. It's a barn burner today. He was a preacher of righteousness. If you're the only preacher and the only voice, be that voice. Be that voice. The ladies get the day off, I guess. We should have brought coffee in for the ladies. Sit there and enjoy your time. One man in a wicked world is is who God is looking for. One man who finds grace. One man who has a strong personal faith that won't be shaken by the the, the direction of others. One man who is the spiritual leader, not waiting for others to do it, but doing it himself. One man that while the world is eating, drinking, and giving in marriage like nothing is wrong, he's building a way to save his family and survive the flood of judgment that's coming. Make sure your family is saved. Fathers, make sure your family is saved. I don't know if they're saved, all right? Then get them to church where they can hear the preaching of the Word of God. Well, I don't know if they're saved, all right? Then tell them how to be saved. Well, I don't know how to be saved, all right? Great. Come to the altar this morning and we'll show you from the Bible how you can be saved. And then you can begin to teach your family what they need to know in order to, to escape the coming judgment of God. Make sure your family is saved. It ought to be the greatest burden of a father and of a husband that every one of his family members goes to heaven with him. That not a single one of them burns in the pits of hell. While the world is eating, drinking, and giving in marriage like nothing is wrong, God is looking for a man who's building a way to save his family and survive the flood of judgment that's coming. Do that by making sure that your family is saved and on their way to heaven. (laughs) Do that by making sure your family is sheltered from the sin of this world. The ark was not only something that God used to save them and is a picture of the salvation of Jesus Christ in all of our lives, but it's also a picture of sheltering your family. While the world makes a mock at sin and lives like judgment isn't coming, men should be working to shelter and save our families from all of it. God's judgment will come and we should care. 
If there's anybody in the family who ought to be saying we're not watching that, it ought to be the husband. It ought to be the father. If there's anybody in the family who ought to be saying we're not talking like that, we're not going there, we're not drinking that, we're not, we're not acting like that, it ought to be that the father is looking at the future and seeing that if my family is allowed to head down this path of sinfulness, that eventually what's going to come is the judgment of God. And somebody needs to shelter them from it. Not by trying to protect them from the judgment of God. You can't do that. But by t- trying to teach them the right direction so they can escape the judgment of God. The only way for your family to escape the judgment of God that is coming upon this wicked world is through God's grace and God's help. God was the only one who could save them, not the Father. But Noah certainly pointed them in the right direction and built an ark to shelter them, and God was the one that protected them in the storm. But there was an engaged father who was doing everything in his power to protect his family. The Bible says this. That the world sometimes was disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Why were they saved by water? Because Noah was preparing an ark. The Bible says again in Hebrews 11:7, as, as I quoted a little bit ago, or, or read, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. It is our responsibility to shelter our families from sin and wickedness. Fathers, take a stand in your home. Shelter them from all the sin and wickedness. Have some rules. Have some rules. It's a good thing. Rules are there to protect. Rules are there to protect from the consequences that will come without them. And children, obey your parents. If your father says, we're not watching that because that's full of nudity and cussing and profanity and evil and wickedness, then listen to him. Because he's trying to help you in the long run. It's not going to help you one bit if you're addicted to pornography and addicted to nudity and you're talking dirty all the time and you're addicted to drugs because you didn't learn any filters in your life and you were taught to just do whatever feels good. So if it feels good, I'll go take a hit real quick. If you don't have somebody set down some rules and say that's not good and we're not going that way, then you're headed to judgment. And fathers, we've got to be that for our homes. Trying to embolden you this morning, not preach down to you. One man in a wicked world who, while the world is eating, drinking, and giving in marriage like nothing is wrong, and God's judgment will never come, he is building a way to save his family and survive the flood of judgment. Lastly, God is looking for one man in a wicked world who is occupying those around him in the Lord's work by doing the Lord's work himself. If we want our kids to serve God, we need to serve God. You want your sons to go help you build an ark? Go build an ark. Noah was working 
in the thing that God had given him to do, and therefore his family got involved. God gave a commandment to Noah, Noah began to do it, and the Bible says that his sons began to help. This is the same pattern for the spiritual home. If we want our kids to serve God, then fathers, you need to serve God. If we want our family to engage in soul winning and leading others to Christ, then we need to be soul winning and winning others to Christ. If we want our family to serve in the bus ministry, we need to serve in the bus ministry. If you want kids that sing in the choir, then you ought to sing in the choir. If you want kids who have a care and compassion for others, then we ought to have a care and compassion for others. If we want our children to grow up in church and when they get older, or should I say, to go to church as they become adults themselves, then we need to go to church. And by the way, not going to church until they get out of the home, going to church even after they get out of the home because you're still an example to them. If we want our family to give to God and to the poor, we need to give to God and to the poor. If we want our children to be an usher one day or a nursery worker, we need to show them how to serve the Lord ourselves. If we want our family to follow in the footsteps of the Lord, we need to lead them by doing those things ourselves. God is looking for one man in a wicked world who is occupying those around him in the Lord's work by doing the Lord's work himself. It should not be that our ministries are filled up with women and the men have more important things going on. It should be instead that the fathers see that God is looking for another Noah. Looking for one man in a wicked world. While the world goes sour all around us, we need men to live for God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please imprint these truths <coughs> upon our hearts and minds. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many would say, Preacher, if I were to die today,